All right, well, let's open up in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Father, for today, Lord. We thank you for waking us up. Thank you for giving us a new day of life. Lord God, you are life. You give life. Then you is life. And, And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to live for you. Help us not to live for ourselves, Lord, today. Help us to worship you. Help us to worship you and the beauty of holiness. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon us. We pray for your blessing, Lord God, because of how good you are, because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you for our Redeemer. Lord God, we stand in awe of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray we would lift him up today, on your day, on your holy day, Lord. He deserves to be high and lifted up. And Father, we just pray you'd be with our thoughts and in our hearts and help us to focus now on your word. Help us to focus on the verses that we read. Lord God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in so many ways, Lord. And we just we just praise you for that and thank you for not leaving us in the dark, Lord, and, and how you've, you've done so much for us, Father. And we just, we just praise you and thank you and, and pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, this morning we're going to look into the Bible about the topic of the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ and how our Lord, he, uh, he came into this world with one purpose and one goal, and that was to serve his Father and to save his people from their sins. And our text for this morning will be Isaiah chapter 50. And in Isaiah chapter 50, verses, we'll read verses 5 through 9. And this is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking here. Hundreds of years before he even came into this world, but this is him talking. And he's, and he's describing here his absolute unwavering determination to save his people from their sins by completely, willingly submitting himself to the Father's will and and undergoing all that suffering that was needed to redeem us from our wicked sins. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, enduring all that shame and humiliation. You know, and it's, it's, it's something. And so let's read here in Isaiah chapter 50 and listen to our Lord Jesus speaking in verse 5. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who's mine adversary? Let let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. And you know, this here is our Lord Jesus. And let's look at verse 5 to start with. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious. You know, our Lord Jesus was a servant. He was a servant of his father. He's Jehovah's servant. The father calls him my servant several times, even in Isaiah. You know, like Isaiah 42, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, 
in whom my soul delighteth. Or in chapter 52, 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Jesus was his father's servant, and he was not a rebellious servant, because the Lord God had opened his ear. And if you turn back to Exodus chapter 21, we'll see this same type of thing with, with the opening of the ear of a servant. And it's interesting. It seems like it may... It seems like it is talking about our Lord Jesus in Exodus chapter 21. And this is an account of where God had a law here about a Hebrew servant in Exodus chapter 21. I'll start reading in verse 2. It says, If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married... Then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But now verse 5, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, I love my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him unto the judges, He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And again, we see our Lord Jesus here. He loved his master. Oh, he loved his God. Jesus loved the Father, and he loved his wife. We're the bride of Christ. He loved us, and he loved his children. He said, I love my children. We're the sons and daughters of God. And so he, he willingly, he said, I will not go out free. <clears throat> you know, he could have gone out free. And in the Hebrew servant, you know, that seventh year, free for nothing. Go ahead. You're free to go if you want to. But he said, no, I love my master. I love my wife. He plainly said that. It says, it, 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 the servant shall plainly say. He wasn't forced. This is no force on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody forced him to come here and save us from our wicked sins. No, he wanted to come here. He wanted to come and save his people because he loved them so much and he loved his father so much. Turn to Psalm chapter 40. We see this same idea of God opening up the Lord Jesus' ear. And he just, he just, he wanted to come. He wanted to save us. Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then I said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. And, you know, the Lord Jesus, he answered the call. If anyone ever answered the call, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people, they talk about, you know, when the call comes, you better answer, you know, and you want to answer that call. Well, the Lord Jesus said, Lo, I come. I'm coming. I'm coming to save my people, and nothing's going to stop him. Nothing was going to stop him from finishing that work that the Father gave him to do because of his great love. He was not rebellious at all. He said, the Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious. And there's not one of us here that doesn't have rebellion in us. We've all rebelled against our parents. You know, we've all rebelled against all sorts of stuff. It's born in us. It's bred in us. It's in our sinful nature. We're rebels. That's what's in us. You know, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Our first father, Adam, he rebelled. And that sinful nature has been passed down to us. 
And it's just, it's in us. Somebody says something we don't like, we rebel against it. You know, we don't like authority. We rebel against all sorts of authority in this world, especially the authority of God, but not our Lord Jesus Christ. He never once rebelled against his parents. Look at Luke chapter 2. He never once rebelled against his mother or his stepfather. Luke chapter 2, chapter, verse 51 and 52. And he went down with them, talking about his parents, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So all through his life, he was obedient. Never once had a thought of rebellion. All growing up. Can you imagine growing up and never having one thought of rebellion against your parents? Like we, know, we know nothing of that. We knew nothing of that. Some of us more than others, but we've all, we've all rebelled, but not, not our Lord Jesus. And he obeyed the law in every single detail to the fullest extent. You know it says in the book of James, if we, have, if we uh, keep the whole law yet offend in one point, we're, law, we're still lawbreakers. We're guilty of all. The Lord Jesus Christ kept the law of God in every single point all the time. You know, it's one thing. You may have a good day. Like, boy, I'm really obeying God today, you know. And then the next minute, pff, you fall on your face. The next day is terrible, you know. But Jesus never had one of those days. He wasn't like, and he wasn't like King Saul. Look at that in 1 Samuel 15. You know, this is how us sinners are. We think, we're, we, think we obey, and we don't, even, we don't have a clue. 1 First, First Samuel chapter 15. Remember when God told Saul to go kill the, uh, uh, the Amalekites and King Agag? And, he, and he, uh, they smote the Amalekites in 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. And, but then in verse 8, he took Agag the king alive, even though they utterly destroyed all the people. But he kept the king alive, and then they kept all the sheep alive. And God came, in verse 10, it says, then came, and this is 1 Samuel 15, 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, it repenteth me that I've set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And then look at verse 13, though. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. God just said he didn't perform the commandment. Saul thought he did. And then in verse 14, Samuel said, What means then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. And then drop down to verse 17. It says, And Samuel said, When you were little in your own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go, and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of <coughs> Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken <clears throat> than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. 
Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And so you see that we're very uh, shallow thinkers. We think, you know, if we obey in this point, you know, then, then God's happy with us, you know, and, and we just, we're just very shallow. And so it's just like Saul here. He, he says, I have obeyed. I did obey. And, and, but he didn't. He didn't. He, he partially did it. We're very partial in our obedience, but not the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he didn't have this rebellion in him. He obeyed, which was better than sacrifice. And notice here it says rebellion. That's a wicked sin. It says the sin of witchcraft. You know, I mean, even even society today, I mean, it's getting worse. I mean, people are, uh, seems like they're turning to witchcraft more and more maybe, but certainly even our society looks down upon witchcraft. I mean, that's just kind of wicked stuff, you know, but any kind of rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. If you have any sort of resistance to obeying God, a little bit, a little bit of stubbornness do we have in us? Oh, we have a lot of stubbornness. That's as iniquity and idolatry. You know, and so it's a very serious thing. But our Lord Jesus Christ, he loved, he loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength all the time. And, you know, the commands of God, you know, you have, to, you have to keep the law perfectly. And the commands of God, they reflect God's perfection. You know, they're not, they're, he, he doesn't lower the standards in any way. The minimum that you have to do is the same as the maximum with God's law. You know, it's a perfect standard. And so you have to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all the time. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ, this is exactly what he did. Go to, we'll read some of these verses and just show you how he loved his father so much. John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, verse 31. says, but that the world may know that I love the father. And as the father gave me commandment. Even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. And you know, that's, that's how we show our love to God, is by our obedience to his commandments. People all the time say, I love God. I love God. No, he that says, I love God, but he doesn't keep his commandments is what? Is a liar. No, you, if you love God, you're going to want to keep his commandments. That's just how that is. That's just, that's, that's by definition. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And that's what he says. The world may know. Jesus wants the world to know. He wants us to know he loved the Father by, by how he kept the commandments of God. Turn, turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 28 and 29. It says, Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then shall you know that I am, that word he's in italics, then shall you know that I am, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Amen. Turn to John chapter 6, another one, 38 to 40. John chapter 6. Verse 38, Jesus said, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so Jesus, several times, he says, I... I didn't come to do my, my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Turn to John chapter 5. We'll read another one. John 5, 30. 
John 5, verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And you know, that, that this is so unlike us, because we seek our own will all the time. We're very, very selfish people. I mean, that's just our sinful nature. It is. We need to confess that to God. I mean, I'm talking about myself. Just we're very selfish. Jesus was the most selfless person there ever was. He did all this for us. He, 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 he sacrificed himself for us and, and, and because he wasn't seeking his own will, but the Father's. And then I love this one in John 4. John 4, 31 to 34. In John 4, verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? In verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. I mean, this, Jesus' food, what he wanted to eat and drink was to do the will of God. He was totally consumed by that. That's how he got his strength. He, his meat was to do the will of him that sent me. And, you know, that's how we can get stronger and stronger in the Lord is if we delight ourselves in his will. You know, make that your meat. Make that your drink. And it's funny how he said to the disciples, I got meat to eat that you don't even know about. You know, and at that time, they didn't know what he was going to have to do. He was going to have to go to that cross. He was going to have to suffer for his people. And, and he had a meat to eat that they didn't even know about. And you can't just, you, just, you don't just uh, love God with all your heart, but you also got to love your neighbor as yourself. And boy, did Jesus Christ do that, didn't he? The Bible says, great, Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus did exactly that. He even laid down his life for his enemies. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. We read here in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the good people? No, the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were sinners. We were ungodly. This is what we are by nature. And Jesus came to save us and to die for us in our room instead. You know, that's just, and, and again, we, we hear it maybe as we've been saved now. I mean, I, I, a lot of us here are all saved here for many years, you know, and you, sometimes it just doesn't register, but sometimes if you let it sink in, you know, and you just, again, you stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, that he would come in here to save us and, 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 and to just the love that he had to us. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's no, there's no one like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one. You know, this world, they're all seeking after, they follow this person or follow that person, the famous people, the politicians, the entertainers, the sports stars. What? How little a portion do we hear about the Lord Jesus Christ? So little, so little in this world. You listen to the news. How often are they talking about Jesus? They don't. They don't know him. They don't even care about him. They care about themselves and just lifting man up and all this. 
No, the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the answer to all our problems. He's the answer to everything. Jesus is the one. He's the only one. He's the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's him. We don't have to look for another. You know, like they said, should we, should, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? Don't look for another. Jesus is the one you want to look to. He's the one that came into this world to save us, and he's the only one that can. And, and you know, he's, and you may think, well, the Lord Jesus, he obeyed. He had it easy. He doesn't know what I went through or what I'm going through. Oh, no, he does. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that he was in all points tempted like we, as we are, yet without sin. Oh, any kind of temptation you may think you have, any struggle that you may think you have, and you know, oh, it's so hard, and this temptation or that, Jesus knows all about it. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. You know, and, and so he, he, he's, he's the one. He's perfect. And, and you know, when you, when you keep the law of God, you can't, and you can't just say that the law is good. I mean, even people know. They know the law of God is good. You know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Oh, these are good laws, you know. You can't just agree with them, though. You've got to do them. You know, he's not justified as just a hearer of the law, but a doer. And that's what our Lord Jesus Christ did. And you can't just do it half-heartedly. A lot of us, you know, we may do things because we have to. Somehow there's constraint. Now, we all do things because we want to in that sense, of course. You know, nobody can say, I did it against my will. No, no, when you do something, you're doing it because you will to do that. Because the op- the, 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 if you didn't do it, the other, the, the, your, other, your, your thoughts of what might happen is even worse than if you didn't do it. So, we, so a lot of times we have external forces obviously constraining us into doing something. But, you know, a lot of times we do things very reluctantly. Our Lord Jesus did not come here reluctantly. He came here very willingly, and he kept the whole law with all his heart and all his soul. And, you know, so back in Isaiah 50, uh, that verse 5, that, that last phrase in that verse, it says, Neither turned away back. In Isaiah 50, verse 5, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. And, you know, people turn back all the time. You know, people... They come to church, and then they stop going to church. You know, they, people leave the gospel all the time, you know, and, and all sorts of things in life. You know, people start out with an idea. They want to go down this path, you know, and, and then all of a sudden the going gets too hard, and we turn back, and we say, well, forget that. That's, that's too much. And, but there was nothing that was going to stop our Lord Jesus Christ. He was not going to turn back at all. He came in with one purpose, one goal, and he was going to do it, and nothing was going to stop him. Even his disciples, many of his disciples turned back. Remember in John 6, you know, when he started teaching them certain things that offended them? Many of them went back and walked no more with him. And he turned to his disciples and said, you going to go away? And, our, and Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You got the words of eternal life. You know, but people walk away from the gospel all the time. And it's, uh, but not our Lord Jesus. Whatever the consequences were, whatever the cost, he was going to do it. Turn to John chapter 12. Because he had to suffer in John chapter 12. And, and our Lord Jesus, as the, as the perfect man, he was a true man, a true God and true man. And, and in his human nature, you know, he, he, had to, he had to face this death. And in John chapter 12, look at verses 27 and 28. Well, in verse 23, he says, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So the time, was, the time had come. And then in verse 27, in John 12, he says, Now is my soul troubled. You know, now that he, the hour had come, he's going to have to suffer the wrath of God, the full cup 
of the wrath of God. We, we know nothing of that. It, it's, it's just incredible. And of course it was going to trouble his soul. Of course in his human nature, this is, this is, this is, he's going to recoil at it. Now is my soul, soul troubled. Then he says, and what shall I say? What should he say? What should he say now that he's come to this hour? Should he turn back? Should he say, oh, I can't do it? Should he say, Father, save me from this hour? Is that what he should say? Father, get me out of here. I can't. This is too much. What does he say? But for this cause came I unto this hour. This is why I'm here. This is what I've come to do. Of course I'm not going to turn back. And in verse 28, so instead of saying, Father, save me from this hour, in verse 28 he says, Father, glorify thy name. He wanted God to be glorified. And that, that again, that was his meat and drink, was to glorify the Lord. And, and turn over to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We'll see, when he came face to face with this cup of God's wrath, it, he, he began to be amazed. Amazement filled his soul. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. You know, it's, it's maybe difficult for under, us, us to understand, you know, Jesus being God, but also being man. And in and, and his human nature, it seems like God expanded his understanding at this time, his, his, his awareness of this, that he was about to experience now. In, in Mark chapter 14, verse 33, it says, And he taketh with him Peter, and this is in the garden, and he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. You know, and he was face to face now with God's holy wrath. And it says he began to be sore amazed. And yet he still would go through with it. He, of course he was going to recoil at it in his human nature because death is so contrary to us. You know, we were created to live forever. And especially the Lord Jesus Christ. What a contradiction. He was sinless. He was the spotless son of God. And him having to be faced with death. And so what does he do? What does he do when he's in this situation and he becomes very, very heavy, exceeding sorrowful unto death? He prays. Look at Matthew 26, verse 39. He prays. And we'll see him as he gets stronger and stronger. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't stop his prayer there. And he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Not my will, but thine be done. And that's, that's the attitude. That's, that's, the, that's submission. That is submission, if there ever was submission. You know, he, and of course he was going to pray, oh, if it be possible, Lord, let this cup pass. Like, this is, this is the intensity. Can you imagine the intensity of God's wrath? And of course, you know, this is why we love Jesus so much. He did this for us so we don't have to suffer. Would, would you, do we want to drink the cup of God's wrath? You know, the wicked will at the end. I mean, God's wrath is coming. And if we're not saved, we're going to drink this cup. We want, that's why we got to leave the world side. Come on over to Jesus' side. He'll drink the cup for you so you don't have to. We got to jump ship, get off the world side, let it go. It, it's heading to hell. Jesus did this for us, and he, he said, not, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then in the next prayer, he seems to get even stronger, showing even more submission. 
in verse 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. You know, you can see him getting stronger and stronger. If it may not pass, except I drink it, that's fine with me. I'll do it. I'll do it because I love my people and I love my father. And then, you know, when they came to take him and Peter took out that sword and cut off Malchus's ear, turn to John 18. Oh, boy, was he ever determined then. You know, and that's what prayer does. It strengthened him. Oh, he got stronger as he prayed to his father. And in John chapter 18, verse 11, he tells Peter, then said Jesus unto Peter, put up your sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me. Shall I not drink it? (laughs) You know, of course I'm going to drink it. That's what I'm here for. You know, oh, you can just see his determination and you see how he, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And he just grew stronger and stronger. And let's look at some of these. So back to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, he says, I gave my back to the smiters. And my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. You know, notice there he says, I gave my back. Nobody did that. Nobody took uh, Jesus' life from him. You know, nobody, nobody uh, overcame him. No, he laid down his life. He, he let them do these things to him. He gave his back to his smiters. He laid down his life himself. Turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. He said, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. You know, and even in the, even in the garden again, when, when, uh, when Peter wanted to fight, Jesus told him, don't, you know, put it away. You know, don't you think I can pray to my father and he'll send me 12 legions of angels? You know, Jesus could have called on 12 legions of angels to to rescue him from that moment. You know, but no, nobody took his life from him. He laid it down of himself. Same thing when he was in the garden. Remember, they came and and he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am. And what did they all do? They all went backward and fell to the ground. I mean, he just knocked them over. You know, of course, Jesus could have uh, uh, escaped uh, from them taking him. But no, he, he, he he allowed them to do that, you know. And again, in that Isaiah chapter 50, you know, he hid not his face from shame and spitting. You know, a person cannot show more contempt, more hatred, more anger towards someone than to spit in your face. You know, uh, and, and the Lord Jesus, he didn't even flinch. He didn't even resist in any way. He just stood there and took it. If anyone ever girded up his loins like a man, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people say, you know, be a man, be a man, take it, you know. Yeah, well, the Lord Jesus Christ was a man. He was the strongest man that ever lived. And he, uh, you know, turned to Matthew 26. Let's read about how they spit in his face. You know, that's what we do with our sins. You know, our sins, it's like spitting in the face of God. We don't think it's much because we're so used to sin. We're surrounded by sinners. We're a sinner our whole life. We're so used to sin. So we just, we just kind of get used to it. But this is what God thinks of sin. This is God's punishment upon sin. <clears throat> As the Lord Jesus had our sins on him. You want to know what God thinks about sin? 
Matthew 26, verse 67 and 68. Well, I'll start reading there in verse 66. What do you think? They answered and said, he's guilty of death. Verse 67. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. So they smacked him. They hit him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? And they're mocking him. They're laughing at him, laughing in his face. Spitting on him, hitting him. One person hits him. Other people come up and hit him. He's not, he's not resisting. He's just standing there taking it. You know? Turn to Matthew 27, next chapter, verse 26. Matthew 27, 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, that's where, that's where he gave his back to the smiters. They scourged him. He delivered him to be crucified. And, you know, they hit him with that, that whip. You know? And, of course, this is all... You know, we may, we may not think much of it. I mean, come on. You want to get your back whipped by a cat of nine tails? You want to be scourged? Like, like we, we, we may think of this, you know, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't register what he went through. But he really did go through this for us, you know. And, and this is, this is uh, just part of his whole sufferings to, to atone for our sins. And we don't, we just, we never want to think lightly of this. You know, this is like... Uh, you know, we don't want to be whipped. We don't, you know, somebody's going to come and spit in your face. We're going, to, we're going to try to strike back. We're at least going to say something. Jesus didn't even speak. He, he, he was silent, you know, like a lamb before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. You know, when people speak evil of you, we're very quick to defend ourselves. You know, very quick to defend ourselves. But the Lord Jesus just let him, let him mock, they, he let him mock him. And, uh, and so verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him, put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him, and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. You know, you talk about practicing what you preach. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that, you, you know, you've heard it's been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. He that smites you on the one cheek, offer him up the other also. And that's what our Lord did. When he was, the Bible says in 1 Peter, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. You know, when, someone, when someone's uh, bothering you and they're, they're coming at you, oh, all this, a lot of times threats come out of our mouth. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get you. <laughs> you know, that's how we are. That's how we are. We want to strike back. We want vengeance. Now, the Lord Jesus, he, he quietly took it uh, all for us, for us. All right, go back to Isaiah chapter 50. We'll look at another, one more verse here, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. Jesus says, for the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. And even verse 8 and 9, he is near that justifieth me. Who's going to contend with me? Let us stand together. Who's mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Though they all shall wax old as a garment, the moth shall eat them up. And so our Lord here, he says, he set his face like a flint. You know, he had no fear. You know, we fear man. I mean, I'm speaking to myself. We fear man so easily. But our Lord Jesus Christ, he set his face like a flint. He knew he was not going to be ashamed because he knew God was going to help him. 
He had absolute trust in the promises of God, and he did not fear man. He turned to Ezekiel chapter 3. We read that word flint over in Ezekiel 3, where God was talking to Ezekiel and telling him not to fear man. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 4 to 9. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And that's exactly who Jesus came to. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to the house of Israel, and they didn't listen to him, you know. And, 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 but the Lord Jesus had set his face like a flint. You know, remember when he would rebuke the Pharisees that one time, and then the disciples said, hey, you know, the Pharisees, they were offended by what you said, you know. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind, you know. Uh, Jesus didn't fear the Pharisees. You know, these were the religious leaders of his day. You know, they, you know and, and, and the disciples, they were kind of nervous. Oh, they got offended. Not Jesus, you know. If the gospel's offensive, so be it. Now, Jesus wasn't offensive in himself. He had gracious words coming out of his mouth, you know. And yet he rebuked the Pharisees for their sin because that's what they needed to, to hear. They needed to be rebuked, you know. And Jesus didn't back down. No, he didn't fear man at all. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> you know, Jesus, he, he said, I know that I shall not be ashamed. And even though he was put to shame, he wasn't ashamed. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, we see how he counted the shame as nothing because of the joy that was set before our Lord Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so our Lord Jesus, he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. What a contradiction of what he suffered. And he despised the shame. That means he counted it like nothing. It was nothing to him to hang up on the cross naked. You know, you can think like in the councils of eternity, you know, the Lord Jesus, you know, the Father would say, you know, you're going to have to be hung up on a cross naked. I'll do it. You know, they're going to spit in your face. They're going to mock you. I'll do it. Because of the love that he had for his children, the love that he had for his people. He counted all that shame. Well, they're going to whip your back. I'll take it. You know? Because of that love. You want to know what God thinks of sin? Look at the cross and what he did. You want to know how much God loves you? If you're his child, look at the cross. Look what he went through. That's the love God had for us. This is, this is, this is, this is it. This is what it is. The love of God. There's, I mean, to be loved by God, it doesn't get any pre more precious than that. To be loved by God is knowing who we are. Knowing how filthy, dripping with sin, we drink iniquity like water. And yet God put his love upon us in the person of our Lord Jesus. And we'll just close with one more passage in Philippians chapter 2. Because our Lord Jesus, oh, he was crucified in weakness. 
But he was raised in power. And now he's the king of glory. And now he's on the throne. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. Let's read that beautiful passage. In Philippians chapter 2. Actually, let's start in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And amen. You know, our Lord Jesus, he now is high and lifted up. And I say, I say, that's what we need to do. I say, let's lift high the name of Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. You know, let's, let's lift him up and tell others about how great he is. He's the only one worthy talking about and his gospel. What a gospel. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And nobody can undo what he did. He did it. He cried on that cross. It's finished. It's finished. The work is done. He came and did it. You know, and ain't nobody going to turn it back. Nobody's going to undo it. And so praise God. Praise God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, amen. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, oh, Lord God, we stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of the Lord Jesus. He was so, so much better than us, Lord, so perfect in all his ways. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us to worship him right, help us to be his disciples in all, on all his good teachings, Lord, and help us to follow his great example that you set down for us. And, Lord, we just thank you for coming into this world to save sinners, Lord. We, 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 we just say thank you and, and praise you, and we want to worship you. Lord, we want the Lord Jesus to be magnified, and may you be glorified in our lives. Forgive us for all our sins, Lord. Oh, we pray you'd help us to turn away from them all, Lord. We pray you grant us that repentance day by day. Help us to continue to follow, follow you, and you'll bring us home to glory to, to see him face to face. And, and Lord, we just pray your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.